Special thanks again to all those who are working with our kids today. Y'all join me. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you will teach us, uh, teach, rebuke, correct, train us in righteousness through your word, Father. Uh, I pray that we will receive what you have for us today. There's nothing else uh, worth listening to, God. You have the words of life, and that is what we want. Uh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll be with us, prepare our hearts, help us to uh, be pleasing to you in what we do, and, uh, and, and prompt our spirits, prepare us for what you'd have us do this week, each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I want you to go to John chapter 10 with me. Uh, I'm going to read John chapter 10, uh, verse 10. Even if you are not familiar with church, this is possibly a verse that you have heard before. Uh, John is in the New Testament. Uh, your Bible, if you have a Bible, and if you don't have a Bible, no one expects you to be a Bible expert today. In fact, you may not know that there's a book called John in the Bible. You might have thought it was just one book. Uh, but the Bible is actually a collection of 66 books. The first 39 are Old Testament. The Old Testament, or we could say Old Covenant or Old Law, is the, um, the story of God creating the world and choosing a people and promising that through this people a Messiah would come, someone who would save the world. That was Jesus. And uh, Jesus comes in. At that point, your calendar changes B.C. to A.D., and the Bible changes Old Testament to New Testament, or we could say New Covenant, or we could say New Law, okay? So uh, we are in this New Testament today in the book of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The first four books of the New Testament are eyewitness accounts or firsthand surveys of the life of Jesus. John was a disciple, the youngest disciple of Jesus, walked with Jesus. And he is quoting Jesus in chapter 10 in a very famous passage. And in this passage, Jesus is talking about, um, uh, he, he's comparing uh, people to sheep and the saying that he is a, a good shepherd. And uh, so possibly you've heard that part before. Uh, John 10, 10 says this, a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Is that what the enemy has done for you so far? Is that what he's come for? Yes. Amen. Uh, I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. And this, this term have life in abundance. This is like, if you drive through the nation, you will see abundant life ministries. And we, we take this word abundant and just really run with it. And it's awesome, we should, uh, because it is something that as a child of God, we are, uh, are, are given, we are allotted by God, is this chance for abundant life. My question is, what is it? Uh, does abundance come with material things? Does abundance come with blessings? Does abundance come with purpose? And I would ask this, do you have it? Do you have abundance? Christ said that he came so that you may have life and have it in abundance. And so whatever this is, he wants you to have it in abundance. That's not a word that we use a lot. It means a lot of it. You got more than plenty of this life that Christ came to bring you. It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, I think that we all know that we want material possessions 
and some of those are unnecessary. Uh, some of those are just ultra handy, aren't they? But there are places in the world that do not have them, and we would not say that those people cannot experience abundant life, right? They can still have abundant life. So it's not in our uh, possessions. We would say that if we were not allowed to do this and worship freely, that would take away some of the abundance, but we could still have an abundant life, couldn't we? And so it's, it's sort of hard to put a finger on what is it, but here's one thing that we can agree. Where we live, we can access it. We can access abundant life because just plain and simple, you're in the United States. <laughs> and you have freedoms that others don't have. You have opportunities and luxuries and you have all sorts of things that others don't have. However, we know that even though they're deprived, they can also have an abundant life. It's, 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 it's a bit obscure, but here's what I'm getting at. Um, we are blessed to live in the country where we live. And we may not agree with everything going on, but you got here on a road, and I bet you had running water and electricity. And we are very blessed, um, but with blessing comes responsibility. And so we are blessed, but we are responsible. I grew up feeling guilty. Uh, I know that sounds weird. I felt guilty for being born in the United States. Has anybody ever shared that? Anybody? And testify? Some of you? Some of you are like, nope. <laughs> I just always felt really, really guilty. And then God revealed to me that it's not only that I have a greater blessing, it's that I have a greater responsibility. I am called to work. I am called to do things for people that I may not even know uh, because I'm made responsible. With this blessing, however, comes, well, I've already said it, it comes responsibility, but, but, but responsibility we can view as a as a curse, because when we don't use our blessings to bless others, uh, then it becomes about us, and you know what sort of trap that can become. Let's back up and, and, and create a new line of thought, and then these two will collide together. God blessed the nation of Israel and they were thriving, becoming, and at some point became, a world power. And when they did, and when they had luxuries to live in, did they use that to expand the kingdom of God or did they use that for personal gain. In life, as a Christian, you will find that much of the teaching in the Bible is not as much directed to get you out of something as it's made to prevent you from ever getting into it. Does that make sense? One of the biggest lies that Satan will bring to you is 
try it before you buy it. Like, hey, you, you've got to go out and experience uh, everything. Listen, you don't have to experience some things to know that it's a trap. Okay? You don't have to experience something to know that it's a trap. We are not that much different from one another, chemically. <laughs> and there are just things that will ensnare you, that will trap you, and we see others go through it but think, that won't happen to me, and it's, it's, it's foolishness. And God warns us all through the scriptures, don't go there, it will hold you. Remember, we say this all the time, and you can help me out with this. Sin will keep you longer than you want to, stay it will cost you more than you want to pay and it will take you farther than you want to go remember that you don't necessarily uh have to try it before you buy it if you're at a car dealership that works in life god is trying to prevent you from some heartaches from some snares from some traps i need an amen in here from somebody He's trying to prevent you, and there are things that you're like, oh, had I just never started that. Had I just never gone there. Right? And we try to pat ourselves on the back with stuff like, you know, I'd do it all over again because you've got to learn lessons so hard. It was an easier way to learn, I bet. <laughs> right? Israel was in this predicament, and God gave them some warning. I'm going to read you a passage, okay? We're going to back up into Ezekiel. Ezekiel would have lived. He would have written this. So let's, just call, let's just go real blanket sweep here. Uh, around 750 B.C., uh, God gave this to Ezekiel to give to the people. It is called in the Bible the great allegory. Uh, this could, we could very much argue, this is the greatest message in the Bible. This is the most important lesson in the Bible. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 16 or the entire book of Hosea is kind of about the same thing. Uh, I'm going to read this to you. However, I am not going to read it all. I want you to write down Ezekiel chapter 16. I want you to go home and read it. There's much that I won't read to you because our classrooms for kids end at about eight years old. And um, this chapter, especially in the later half, is so, I'm not being extra, I'm being real. It is so sexually explicit um, that I'm not going to read it all to you. Uh, I would blush. You would blush. You need to go home and read it, though. Like, it's, it's the real deal, okay? Let's begin, though. This is warning. This is warning for us. This is what God gave to Israel. So this is something that we're using preventatively. If you're there, you're there, okay? Uh, but, but this is something that we use preventatively to check our hearts. Ezekiel 16, 1 through 7. The word of the Lord came to me again. This is Ezekiel speaking. Son of man, confront Jerusalem with her detestable practices. You are to say, this is what the Lord God says to Jerusalem. Your origin and your birth were in the land of the Canaanites. Your father was an Amorite, and your mother a Hittite. As for your birth, your umbilical cord wasn't cut on the day you were born, and you weren't washed with clean water. You were not rubbed with salt or wrapped in cloths. 
No one cared enough about you to do even one of these things out of compassion for you, but you were thrown out in the open field because you were despised on the day you were born. I passed by and saw you thrashing around in your blood, and I say to you as you lay in your blood, live. Yes, I said to you as you lay in your blood, live. I made you thrive like plants of the field. You grew up and matured and became very beautiful. Your breasts were formed and your hair grew, but you were stark naked. There's a couple things that you have to know about Hebrew. We are always compared to uh, women. We are always the bride. So men, yes, this is, this is you too. This is your allegory. Even as a dude, this is weird, but I am the bride of Christ, okay? So uh, that's the first thing I want you to understand. Uh, the second thing, Hebrew never repeats anything unless it wants to emphasize it. They don't, in, in fact, if you read through, it doesn't say super duper. Or, I mean, it doesn't waste adjectives. So uh, the way that they really concentrate on something is to repeat it. If I repeat something, then it's ultra, uber, okay? Uh, so when he says, uh, and there's a lot going on in Hebrew that I, I won't just, um, we won't take a lot of time on that, but basically God is telling Israel, look, you were born and no one was taking care of you. This is metaphorical, so he means spiritual. It doesn't mean that you were literally lying uh, uh, on, on the floor with your umbilical cord uncut and, 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 and bleeding to death, but spiritually, no one was taking care of you. But I saw you, okay? You have to remember it's metaphorical. If not, this is about to get weird. And God says, but I saw you and I raised you. I made you live. And he repeats it. Yes, I made you live. And he's saying, you have arrogance in your, uh, your religion because you're like, we serve the one God. Look at what our God did in Egypt. Look at what our God did to the Philistines. Look at what David did to Goliath. Look at what, and they were famous, man. People were like, dude, their God is legit. You got to stay away from them. Watch messing with these Hebrew people, right? And so it was like, look, 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 look. I gave you life. I made you a chosen people. I made you a kingdom of priests. The emphasis was on, on God, not on them. And, and I think that you have to understand that as well. Here's my question. What could you do without God? I want a little bit of participation here. I won't embarrass anyone. I just, I just want a little bit of participation. Um, how many of you can say, there has been a thing or two happened to me and if it were not for God, I would be dead. How many of you can say that? <laughs> Look at that. I mean, you hear stories and they're like, listen, I fell off a scaffolding and there was rebar all around me. It was like, it was in the image of me. How did I fall there? I should be dead. Y'all have shown me the pictures of your car where you had a wreck. You have shown me scans and like if this were one inch over, you're like, I should be dead. And, and the world would say, no, no, no. It, Listen, it's an anomaly. Those things happen, and you're like, no, I was there. I should be dead. So first of all, you shouldn't even be here. That was like nine-tenths of you. But then let me ask you this. 
You, you kingdom of priests, because God has re-upped what he gave to the nation of Israel, okay? And read Hebrews if you don't believe me. Hebrew, uh, the, the nation of Israel was supposed to be a kingdom of priests, and so when the Messiah came, when Jesus came, he said, now you are to be my kingdom of priests. And so you're the ones, you are chosen by God to share his word, and God chose you because you are, yeah, yeah, and you're like, ah. <laughs> I don't know. I look in the mirror every day and I'm like, I'm awesome because I'm. <sighs> and I want to pump you up and I want to encourage you, but I also want you to understand that if you have a blessing, it came from God. You're like, well, I was born with. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You were born with. You didn't do that. Now, I'm proud of you if you've worked or something. A friend of mine in here came to me. I lost 14 pounds today. Woo! That's hard work for you. Awesome. That's good. No, I'm not saying that you can't have a personal achievement. I'm just saying, also, if it wasn't for God, you wouldn't be here in the first place. So, you know. You could have been born any place, anytime. Why now? Why here? Well, I'm here because I'm awesome. No. <laughs> No, you're awesome, and I love you. Fantastic people. Nobody I would rather be with this morning than you. In fact, where's, where's some of my college students in here? Would you just raise your hand? I see a couple back there. Man, we are, we are so honored to have you guys. This is going to be our last week with a bunch of our college students. Uh, they're having a party today, doing a little luau, and uh, that'll be fun. But thank you all. It's been a pleasure. I hope that you serve God wherever you go, and you are awesome. But God made you that way. Use it for him. Okay, I've made the point. Let's go. Let's move on. Ezekiel 18, we're, we're just going to continue on here. 8 through 14. Then I passed by you and saw you, and you were indeed at the age for love. I told you it's about to get weird. Remember, this is a metaphor. Everybody holds your horses. Wait, he raised her in that? Just chill. Metaphor. I passed by you and I saw you, and you were indeed at the age for love. So I spread the edge of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I pledged myself to you, entered into a covenant with you. Now, see, the, see this I language that God is using has nothing to do with the nation of Israel. He's saying, I did this for you. I made you live. I made you thrive. I made you beautiful. I saw you. I took you. I pledged myself to you. Do you see? Do you see? This is your story as well. I pledge myself to you, entering into a covenant with you. This is the declaration of the Lord God, and you became mine. I washed you with water, rinsed off your blood. Now, hold on. You became mine, and then I washed you. Man, this just is dripping with symbolism. I washed you with water, rinsed off your blood. I anointed you with oil. I clothed you in embroidered cloth and provided you with fine leather sandals. I also wrapped you in fine linen and covered you with silk. So now not only has he made you live and made you thrive and made you grow, but now is making you very beautiful, very ordained.
adorned you with jewelry, putting bracelets on your wrists and a necklace around your neck. Verse 12, I put a ring in your nose, earrings on your ears, and a beautiful crown on your head. So you were adorned with gold and silver, and your clothing was made of fine linen, silk, and embroidered cloth. You ate fine flour, honey, and oil. You became extremely beautiful and attained royalty. Your fame spread among the nations because of your beauty, for it was perfect through my splendor. Your beauty was perfect through my splendor. You live in a blessed place, and it is of no doing of your own. Now, thank you, all of you who have served. Yes, you've contributed to that, Uh, and, and we honor your service. God has given blessing to your life. Your fame spread among the nations because of your beauty, for it was perfected through my splendor, which I bestowed on you. This is the declaration of the Lord God. Do you not thrive, church, because of the gifts of God? Or is it just because you're more awesome than anybody else? You know, I, I, I hope everyone gets the chance to travel a little bit. Because when you do... You know, we look at the United States and we walk into the Olympics and we're like, U.S. baby, yeah, we're better than everybody. And you see all these places that don't even send anyone. And you're like, they have no athletes. Dude, their athletes are working for rice, okay? They got no time to practice the luge. Like, if you think that we are just genetically better than everyone because of sports, example A, men's soccer. And B through Z, you got to look, they've got no time for that. That's a luxury that they cannot afford, and they don't even have the nutrition to train. We, we sort of live in this bubble, and there's this little bit of arrogance about it. And it's, <sighs> There can't be, in a Christian life, man, there can't be arrogance. Are you good at something? You ever seen somebody, and, and I'm, I'm picking on athletics just a little bit, but you ever seen somebody who's just a phenomenal athlete? Man, that's great, and you trained, and I'm so happy that you trained, but you were also born with size and strength and speed and coordination. <laughs> who gave you that? Right? So for who should you use it? For who was it given to you? Man, I'm good. I'm just smarter than everybody else, and I'm good with numbers. Awesome. I need your help. For who? Why were you blessed with those things? So that we can lord it over people? No. So we can use it for the lord over people. Do you see what I did there? We've got to distinguish the difference between a gift and a responsibility. And I think that in large, we live in a world that sees gifts for our own personal gain rather than responsibility to be used for the kingdom of God. If you were given it, it's a tool to be used for the Lord. Now, verse 15 and on become so explicit that I am now going to just give this to you. I want you to go home and read it, okay? I am a text-driven guy. You know that about me if you've been here before. Uh, But it it gets x-rated, okay? Uh, But here's what happens, okay? Let me give you the synopsis. This is, some of y'all, this is the first time you're ever gonna go home and actually read what I tell you. I'm so excited. (laughs) 
And it will not disappoint. God told Israel, he's like, I saw you, you were about to die, I made you live, I brought you to maturity, I, I, I took you, and then I cleaned you up and made you beautiful. He didn't clean you up and make you beautiful and then take you, he took you and then cleaned you up and made you beautiful. You need to understand that in this place right now. I don't care if you walked in here spiritually like flopping around in the grass with your um, uh, umbilical cord like still bleeding, whatever that's supposed to be symbolic of. I don't, I don't care if you're that or if you are the one who is already ordained and beautiful. God chooses you at your worst time. You've got to understand that Jesus purchased you with his blood, so your lowest point is what you cost, okay? And that is what he paid for. So that is when God sees you. You are this child flopping around in the grass and he made you live. And then he takes you and then he ordains and makes you beautiful. And this is what he did for the nation of Israel. And this is what we are using as preparation for our lives and the gifts that God will bestow on us in our abundant life. Because I'm planning on God giving you abundant life as you follow his teachings. You need to understand that that abundant life is not just so that you can have extra So in preparation for your abundance, listen to what he says to Israel. He said, I made you beautiful, and then you cheated on me using the beauty that I gave you. Now, how many of you have given your life to Jesus just to run back to Satan? Come on, come on, come on. That spiritually is called adultery. And this is what Israel was accused of. They were accused of adultery. And he said, not only did you cheat on me, but you used the beauty that I gave you. You understand why this metaphor had to begin all the way in the beginning? Because this, this person, metaphorically, was responsible not just for the beauty of the person, but literally for the life of the person. Brought you up to maturity. Chose you when you were still naked with blood all over you. And, and, and symbolically, like, that works for you. This is still, still relates, doesn't it? Like 750 B.C., that's still pretty good. Because that's how I feel. That is where we have all been at some point because we were stained with our own sin. We were stained with what we were born into, which is sinful, and he saved us from that, not by any doings of our own. That's Ephesians 2, 8, 9. By grace, you've been saved through faith. It, it, it's not of works so that you can't boast about it. You cannot achieve salvation because God doesn't want you bragging about how you did it. He gave it to you. All you can do is receive it. So we're all in the same boat we're all separated from sin by God nobody in here is more ugly than anybody else nobody in here is more beautiful than anybody else in the eyes of God he sees your heart and he knows that you need saved from your sin now he takes you he cleans you up and we all have the story and this is how you know that you have the Holy Spirit because if you've never been convicted about this before you understand nothing about your own relationship with your creator until you understand the depravity of your own soul and how many times, it's not just that I've cheated, on, yeah, yeah, I did it, I had an affair on God over and over and over and over to the point that would you have taken, listen, you don't, don't raise your hand on this one, would you have taken anyone back as many times as God has taken you back? <laughs> <laughs> it 
Eastland County rant and raves. <laughs> you would not believe she's at it again. <laughs> and God took you back and again and again. He loved you. And, and listen, <gasps> he's talking to me. No, I'm talking to all of us. He took you back with love when you wouldn't take you back with love. Unless you're under the age of 12, you've had a point in life where you hated yourself so much that you didn't understand how God could love you. And that is the depth of his love. He loves you more than you love you. He loves your children more than you love them. His love extends well beyond your love for yourself. So stop trying to limit God by your own capacity. And so we are adulterers, but he brings us back. There is, ah, oh man, okay, for time's sake, I'm just going to tell you this one. Uh, the, the, the rich young ruler in the Bible. God says, the man comes up to Jesus and says, hey, what must I do to have eternal life? And he tells him, go sell all your possessions. And the man says, I can't do that. He goes away sad. But through the lens, I love Ezekiel chapter 16 because we actually get to see our lives through the lens of God. Because we have all these accusations against God. But then when it's God's turn to speak, we're like, oh yeah, I did that. So this rich young man comes up and he's like, what must I do? And Jesus is like, well, you, you, you got to keep these commandments. And he's like, I've done all those since my youth. And he said, go sell all your possessions. Understand through the lens of God, that rich young man had no possessions. God gave him all those things. Understand that you have nothing that wasn't given to you. And I don't say that lightly because I do understand your achievements and I appreciate it. And I love entrepreneurial hard, hard work, the philanthropy that goes on even in, in this building. I just, I, I, I admire you. I love you. Some people never had the opportunity to do what you did even though you did it through hard work. God looks at this rich young man like, <laughs> I'm asking you to give me what's mine. You don't even understand the assignment right now. And then later, uh, Jesus is explaining to the people what just happened with this rich young man. And, and, and he tells them, he says, hey, listen, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. People have tried to explain that verse away, and I don't think there's any validity to it. This is what uh, I think he's saying. If your wealth is in your possessions, then you don't understand the kingdom of God, and so you won't sacrifice for it. As long as you think that whatever you have here is greater than what God has for you, I, I, we've missed it. So we live in a nation that is distracted by our own possessions and by the pursuit of those possessions. I'm not saying that possessions are wrong. I'm not saying that uh, doing well is wrong. As a Christian man, in a lot of ways, I could argue you're, you're supposed to do well. We should have, we should have work ethic that the, the world looks to as an example. I mean, I, I, I get all that. 
but when we value those possessions greater than we value Jesus, we've missed abundant life. Here's the second thing that they had. Now, in this metaphor, God says, I've taken you, I made you beautiful, and then they had children. But she used the beauty and the wealth that, that God had given her to go off and cheat. And this is where it really ticked him off. She sacrificed his children to another God. I think that if God brings a torch to us today, <laughs> that'd probably be it. That's the straw that breaks the camel's back. This is sort of what we do as a people. We have a cage that Satan wants our children in. Now, I'm going to talk about Israel because I don't want this to be a downer message. I want this to be a, 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 a warning. I want us to be pumped up to live for Jesus. But she took his kids and sacrificed them gave them to, enslaved them to, now in this metaphor, literally, <coughs> to the gods of the one that she was cheating on her master with, that she was cheating on God with, right? I think it's relatable. Understand, this is where Satan wants your children. And... We would never put them in there if we knew what the trap was. <laughs> but we are doing Satan's job for him. See, in this metaphor, she sacrificed the children. Not the ones that she was having an affair with. She did it. And I think that we go, hey, kids, Go get it. This is not, I, I, I say this all the time, I feel the need to say it every time. Video games aren't inherently evil. I'm, I, I have, uh, my kids don't do a lot of technology stuff. They have it, they're not allowed to use it all the time. Um, I have one that's an avid reader. Had to say yesterday, hey, put the books down. It can be anything. It doesn't just have to be uh, a phone. But we use things to get our kids out of our hair so that we can go do what we think is necessary. And it may not be full out adultery, like in this thing. <sighs> but metaphorically, like, is it? And so we coax our kids into this trap and I want you to understand, and I will continue to use this same metaphor. This is my phone. It's not anti-technology. This is my phone with a screenshot of my daughter when she was six months old. 
when I hand a child this, I've said, here, Satan, full access. Is there a way to do it? Sure. It can be done properly. I'm not against phones. I'm not against, I, I, I do think that there has to be a maturity level, probably somewhere well beyond my own to be able to handle social media. <laughs> um, I would say that that is pretty blanket sweep. You can just put that blanket all over every situation and go, hey, there's got to be an age limit where that's not appropriate because to not have a block on your phone. Did you know that pornography addiction starts at the average age of 10 for boys? That's fourth grade. Average age of beginning. I'm not saying how many are addicted. It's, it's all of them. If they have a phone without access, it's... <laughs> and you men in here are like, dude, I didn't have a phone when I was that age, but yeah, I couldn't have, underst I, I couldn't have handled that pressure. You know you couldn't handle that pressure at that age because without accountability, we can't handle it at our age. So we ensnare, we sacrifice God's children to the enemy. Luke 17, 1 through 2. He said to his disciples, Offenses will certainly come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than for him to cause one of these little ones to stumble. God cares about what we do with our kids. Malachi 2.15, didn't God make them one and give them a, a portion of spirit? It's talking about a man and woman. What is the one seeking? Godly offspring. So watch yourselves carefully so that no one acts treacherously against the wife of his youth. God cares about what we do with our children. And I think that if God comes with an accusation against us as a people, I, 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 I think that's going to make the top five. Again, this is not an accusation to anyone. This is a be careful because it is such a temptation. It is such a temptation to say, you know what, this will distract you for a little bit, but it's the cage. It's the cage. Don't be afraid to parent. I know that the world is saying that it's not cool to parent anymore, but the world ain't really doing a very good job with their stuff. Maybe they shouldn't be listened to. Okay, I'm going to get off of that. I don't even like talking about it. It's, it's, it's sad, but I'm in the boat that you're in. It's a temptation for me too. I, I, I can't, okay, I can't, hold on. But I, really, I don't want to inject opinion for multiple reasons. One is I don't want to say something and then if somebody gets hurt, it's like, then they kind of want my kids to fail so that they can be like, oh, you didn't do any better. So like for me, there's a temptation not to, not to talk about it either, but um, I, I hear this a lot. I just want to say, um, I hear a lot of, I just can't figure out how to regulate their phone. I can show you. You are paying for that phone. It is not their phone. Okay? And if you can't figure out how to regulate it, why are, why are we giving up? 
take it until we can figure out how to regulate it. I understand that, like, culturally, it's like, well, I don't want my kid to be the one weird one without, without an addiction. So, come on. They're going to be so mad at me. <laughs> Dude, if your kids aren't mad at you, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> wrong, wrong, wrong. Listen, again, yep, they, they need a phone, they, they go somewhere and I need them to be able to call, what, you know, what if they have a sleepover and something, go, I, I get all that, I'm just saying there's wise ways to do it and there's unwise ways to do it and I know that God is holding us accountable, I'm in the same boat that you're in and it's difficult, I'm giving you that, I'm just saying don't let the world dictate that for you, don't be afraid to parent, don't be afraid uh, to be the bad guy. Third thing, third accusation that God had, and this is a biggie. He says, if you read it, it is, it is almost like a contest to see how many times God can use the word prostitute in this one chapter, but that's what he's r- calling his wife, the nation of Israel. And, and then he says, actually, you're much worse than that. And this is the most convicting thing to me. I'm preaching to me right now, and y'all just get to listen. He said, actually, you're much worse than that because prostitutes get paid. You're actually paying them to cheat on me. Here's the reason this is so convicting. Y'all can just listen to me self-loathe. Because I have had to have a time in my life where I understand that if I've got something big coming up and Satan wants me out of the way, if he came up, horns, hooves, here's a million dollars not to talk about Jesus tomorrow, I'd be like, no way, Satan! But Satan doesn't have to do that because I'm so much cheaper. It's one phone call from somebody from the past. It's uh, one email, one text message, one app, one website, one visit away from. That doesn't mean doesn't mean we're not Christians anymore. But, but can you relate? Like there are some days that you are pumped up to tell your coworkers about Jesus and some days that you're like, somebody's telling me about Jesus. You know what I mean? And so you feel, you feel downtrodden, you feel beat up, you feel invalidated, and that's right where Satan wants you to feel. And my question is, what's your price? Because sadly... This is what I've had to learn about myself. I've been so much cheaper than I would have ever imagined. Now the good news, that ain't it. Because Satan didn't buy you, Jesus did. You're not invalidated. In fact, your sins have validated you to tell his story. Can I get an amen? Your inability to live righteously but then to be saved and made a saint 
given the task of giving the gospel of Jesus Christ, is all the witness, all the prerequisite that you need to be a priest in the kingdom of God. So we take the nation of Israel, worship team, I want you to come up. We take the nation of Israel and we see what they did because you don't have to try it before you buy it. You don't have to go live a sinful life to see if Christ's way is better. I can learn from what they did. I can learn from the culture around me. You don't have to do it that way. The Bible is giving you ways not to go there, not just to get out of it once you're there. Okay? When we find ourselves in a, in, in a predicament, we can pretty well flip through the scriptures and go, oh, yeah, I didn't do that. I didn't do that, right? He's giving us this is how you live and this is how you live well. There's a teaching that he wants us to follow, okay? So follow the teachings of God and it will lead to life. It will lead to prosperity. It will lead to abundant, abundant life. It may not be cash green. I don't know. But it's abundant life and you'll know it when you have it. But in your abundance, don't squander it on yourself because this is what we've all had to learn the hard way. I'm not better than they were. I will take luxuries. I will take peace. I will take times where I'm not having to work so hard and I will use it for self-gain and destroy myself. My dad used to tell me when I was young, if you want something done, give it to a busy man. How many of y'all have ever done that? Like when you were in school, you didn't do your homework. The only day that you had just one thing to do, you didn't do it. Why? Because you put it off because there's not much. I can get to it later, right? I thought it was brilliant. If you want something done, give it to a busy man. We've got to be busy with the kingdom of God because we're constantly putting off. And I'm gonna do that, but first, let me continue to uh, amass. Let me continue to, to grow my wealth, to grow these pleasures, to grow these luxuries, right? And then we squander them on ourselves. We lose them. It was all his anyways. So living in abundance might require you to live without the world's abundance. To have real abundance, you may have to deny the world's abundance. Satan wants to trap you. He wants you to run off on God. He can't take maybe your salvation away from you. He may not can take your faith away from you. He just wants you to be useless. If you could just do that, and bonus, give me your kids while you're at it. Then he's good. And God wants so much more. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for abundant life, God, and I pray that you will continue uh, to be with us, God. I know that you are blessing, Lord. We hear, we hear stories so often of what you are doing, God, and people are, 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 are giving to your kingdom, God, whether it's like financially time, they're, they're investing in their families, God, and we hear all the stories. You are faithful. You are good, Lord. I know that there's a lot of bad going on, but our stories are of your faithfulness, and so we praise you for that. God, I pray that we will not take these blessings that you give us. I pray that we will not 
uh, take this abundant life that you have given us, Father, and squander it to cheat on you with the enemy. I pray that we will not sacrifice our children to other gods, but we will raise them to fear you, to love you, to grow in you. God, help us to be faithful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Baskets are going to come up, and uh, if you're a believer, part of the way that we worship was tithe and offering. Uh, but also, uh, we want to we want to walk with you. We want to we want to love on you. And uh, it, man, if if you need if you need prayer, you need to talk about something. Would you write it on that connection card? Drop it in that basket. Uh, when service is over, better yet. Uh, we will be here. I will not be here. I'll be, I'm pizza with pastor because I'm I'm the pastor. So come have pizza with me. Uh, But uh, the worship team is going to be here. We have a prayer team that's going to be here. We would love to pray with you and just chat with you like live and in person. Uh, If you're watching online today, drop that in the comments. We'll we'll message you this week and and start up a conversation. But that's what a church does, man. We want to love on you. And uh, we want you to know, last thing, we want you to know that we are all, we are all separated from God. We were at some point by our sin, so we're in the same boat. We're in the same boat. There can be no arrogance in the Christian life because if I grew up the way you grew up, I would have done what you did. I know me, I'd have probably done a little worse. So we want to love you through whatever you're going through. Please stand and worship with us.